I'm Julianne DeLynn Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Welcome, Michael Ash. Hi, Julianne. We're getting closer to the Fair Mormon Conference. That's on the 6th and 7th of August. Will you be there? I will be there. I, I will not be presenting, but I have attended every conference except for the very first one that uh, took place in California. But uh, since then, I've always been there and really look forward to the different presentations. Obviously, we have presented many times myself, but there's always a, a number of wonderful speakers. And I enjoy going for a little bit of the uh, social aspect as well and meeting uh the speakers themselves, uh, engaging in people that have uh, common interests. Um, we, we have probably the most complete LDS bookstore that we set up there on, on a variety of LDS topics. My books will be there, of course. In fact, I'll, I'll be doing uh, signings. So if anybody wants to come there and, and they either have their copies, want to pick them up then, um, you know, I'd be happy to sign them, my books as well. So both of your books, Shaken Faith Syndrome and A Faith in Reason, will be there, and people can either purchase that or bring their books, and you'll sign them. That's correct. Yeah, and and we we run all of the books that we bring in at discounts. So if you haven't already got a copy, that's a great time to come and buy them. I always leave with an armful of books myself mm-hmm. because uh, yeah, there's good prices and and a great selection. Well, maybe we'll have to get a picture of me and you there. There you go <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Where can we get tickets for the conference? Just go to fairmormon.org, and uh, there's actually a link should be right at the top of the webpage that takes you to it, and um, it, it'll list uh, what speakers are there, what the times are, and you'll be able to uh, purchase tickets for the conference. And it's in Provo this year? That's correct, in Provo. Today we're talking about Mesoamerican cultures. Yes. We talked about the unknown New World last time, so... The evidence, the archaeological evidence, isn't 100%, but we have found some cultural commonalities. Yeah, the, with archaeology, um, it's hard to find anything that's 100%. Uh, archaeology is a, it, it's a scientific uh, field or discipline, but it's not like doing physics. Uh, it, it's like doing history. And so there are a number of things that are unknown that uh, have to be interpreted and pieced together. And of course, you have very good scholars, non-LDS scholars uh, and, and LDS scholars and so forth, working on these things. So um, you know, we're getting closer as more information comes about. But like we mentioned in the last discussion, there's a lot of information missing. And what information is there, you, you have to interpret. Unless you find, um, you know, a, a banner that says Nephi slept here, mm-hmm. you know, you have to look at buildings, at pottery, at, at different, you know, common everyday stuff that's find, found in these uh, pits that they dig up and try and interpret that and, and understand something about the people. And that's difficult to do. Um, like I said, there is an emerging picture coming forth, but it's it's a long ways from saying, uh, proving that the Book of Mormon is there. But like I said, I don't know if that's something that can be done at this point, uh, uh, regardless of which side of the belief system you're on. There's, there's just not enough uh, evidence and, and, and too much speculation. And it seems like we get in trouble when we start speculating. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, anytime we speculate, we have a chance of being wrong. And uh, with 
any kind of history or archaeology, the picture changes as new evidence comes forth, as it should. That, that's how science works, you know, as you have uh, better theories, better paradigms that uh, um, you move towards and get rid of the older ones. And like I said, there's better pictures emerging about the ancient people. Um, but the critics that say that there's no archaeological proof for the Book of Mormon have a very naive understanding of what to expect for proof. I mean, what what would prove it? Like I said, anything short of having, you know, Nephi slept here or, or Moroni came this way, mm-hmm. how do you know about these people? It has to be names and stuff. And so, um, you know, how do you know if a, shred, a, a pottery shard was owned by a Nephite or a Lamanite or, or some other culture living down there? I mean, it's, it's very difficult to understand that kind of stuff. But archaeologists can look and see how these people lived, the number of people were there, you know, how their religions worked in some cases and so forth. So, so there is an emerging picture. And what's interesting is that, and I quote in my book, um, this is from a, a very famous uh, um, LDS critic uh, who's now deceased, and he said there's no correspondence, whatever, between archaeological sites and, and cultures as revealed by the scientific uh, investigations and what we find in the Book of Mormon. And, and so he's saying, um, he takes it a step further. Not only is there no archaeological evidence, but he's saying there's no correspondence, and so we can't find any uh, interesting parallels. And, and, and that's actually how the archaeology works, is they have to find things that tell about a story and, and then, you know, kind of match it up with the people in the in the, the days. And also they compare it to other cultures. And you know, how would another culture have done this? And so they can kind of get a handle on how the people would have lived. So when this critic made this claim, um, there was maybe some truth to it because there really wasn't, it was still a growing science and it, as it is now, but we've come a long ways. And there are a number of correspondences now that show that the people of ancient America had some very similar belief systems and attitudes about things of what we find in the Book of Mormon. So so the Book of Mormon is hitting these things more often. In fact, that's really what the, the emerging picture shows is there's more and more evidence that comes forth that ties the Book of Mormon to these ancient Mesoamerican cultures. And what's interesting to me, Michael, is it's so nuanced. In other words, if Joseph Smith had some secret way to find out or some secret documents at that time, he would have hit it hard in the Book of Mormon to to prove that he was right, to prove that this was something that he knew about that would sell the Book of Mormon better and sell the fact that he was a prophet. But as with everything else in the Book of Mormon, it is so nuanced. Exactly. These things are kind of just taken for granted in the Book of Mormon itself. You could tell that it's written by somebody that doesn't make a big deal out of these things. It's just their way of life. And so it's like keeping a journal. We we don't point out things that we have in a journal unless it's really unusual or special. Everything else is just kind of common day stuff and and all your readers know it. Um, And that's what's happening in the Book of Mormon. It's only now when we're looking and saying, aha, we see this this, uh, similarity between this ancient culture and what we find in the Book of Mormon. And Joseph Smith was unaware of most of these things because you're right, he would have pointed out, he would have said, here's all these different scientific and archaeological findings that demonstrate that the Book of Mormon is ancient. Well, he didn't have that information. The ammo wasn't there in his day, and that's why he was excited uh, when Stevens and Catherwood started publishing what they were finding in Central America because all of a sudden a few things were coming forward. Now we can turn to what we know about uh, ancient Mesoamerica, and we find a lot more of this correspondence 
between their culture and what we know about the Book of Mormon. What would you say are the most corresponding features so far that we know about? Um, the list is growing pretty rapidly. Uh, Dr. John Sorensen recently published his magnum opus, I, I, and I should have probably looked up the name of this, but I want to say it's uh, uh, Mormon's Book or Mormon's Codex. Actually, if you go to the fairmormon.org website to their bookstore and type in John Sorensen, you'll find his latest release. But it's a, it's a pretty thick uh, volume that lists a number of these correspondences, and, and he is relying on the same type of methodology that's used by biblical scholars um, when they are trying to understand the people of the ancient old world and what they might have read in the Bible. And, and so they, they're, they're looking for these correspondences. So he's using methods that are already in place. This isn't unique to Latter-day Saints. Um, and he lists many more than I have in my book here, but some of the ones that I include in my book uh, would be, for instance, the cosmos. Um, that we know that the ancient Mesoamericans believed in a layered fashion. There was upper realms and the uh, Earth's surface stood in between and there was underworld and so forth. We read about that in Alma, um, that caves and water holes connected to the lower world. We find that in the Book of Mormon, that there was a, a legendary catastrophe that destroyed all but a handful of people. Um, you know, of course, that ties right to the, not only the Bible, but also to the Book of Mormon, that mountains were holy places. Again, we find this in the Old Testament as well. It, um, that was kind of where temple started, is, is going to the mountain to communicate with God. And that's what we find not only in the Book of Mormon, but the uh, ancient Mesoamerica. Um, there were offerings, visitations, uh, um, dwellings erected for the dead, and, and so forth. And like I so said, there, there's quite a long list. I include some of those in my book, but there's so many of them that John Sorensen needed an entire tome to demonstrate all these correspondences that have now been found. What did you think when you found these connections? If you find one or two, it's always lucky guesses. But when you start seeing large numbers of these correspondences, then it starts adding credibility to the story. And, and some of these just get start to become very exciting because um, these correspondences tie together many times in multiple ways. It's not just uh, um, like out of the blue. They're, they're, they're sometimes interconnected. You know, we talked about this before on the Nahome ones, the one that I that's obviously uh, old world, but it's not just a place. It's a location that mm -hmm. uh, has a as a turn east that leads to another place and so forth. Well, this kind of stuff is starting to appear in uh, some of the Book of Mormon ones as well. And, and those are exciting. And, and the more of these evidences that are discovered, the more it seems like that that whoever wrote the Book of Mormon actually understood ancient Mesoamerican culture, and that couldn't have been Joseph Smith. So then you've got your pick. You know, is I mean, is it somebody who uh, you know could see back in time? Is it somebody that lived in Mesoamerica and brought it forward? You know, the anciently, or is the story that Joseph Smith? Uh, tells the most accurate one this, that, that it was written by ancient prophets and that he was simply the translator of it. And when you look at all the possibilities, um, his story is actually the most believable. I mean, the, the reason people reject it is because an angel brought it to him. Mm -hmm. If we took all of that out of it, and if he was a scholar, then I think scientists would say, wow, you know, he, he found these these golden plates and he had the the academic 
um, knowledge to translate them, and so we have this this ancient document. But because of the story of how he got them, that's why uh, most of the people can't accept it. But uh, if we look past that, um, it, it really is a credible uh, description that Joe Smith gives, that he was simply the translator of a, of a people that recorded this information. And also, I feel that these evidences have to do with the religious people. So when I step back and look at the broader gospel of Jesus Christ, I think, well, the cosmos, okay, a heaven, a hell, um, mm-hmm. a perdition. When you look at sacrifice, the fact that they they sacrificed animals, why were they sacrificing animals? And so on. Yeah. Yeah, it, certainly. Um, there were other cultures that lived in ancient Mesoamerica along with the Nephites. Obviously, the Lamanites and probably many other people. In fact, Lamanites was the term that Nephites gave to everybody that wasn't them. It was kind of a mm-hmm. them versus us. So we're the Nephites. Everybody else is Lamanites. And, and so you, you had a number of traditions that were... Um, I guess the best way for us to describe in modern terms is pagan. You know, mm-hmm. you, they, they, they didn't match what uh, uh, Nephite would have taught or the uh, old world Israelites would have taught. But we're finding pieces here and there that show that they had um, at least beliefs that were very similar to what we find in biblical writings as well as in the Book of Mormon. And so it, it again suggests that the people that lived there had at least at one time um, an understanding of true gospel principles that uh, eventually, um, with apostasy, they were watered down or changed. But uh, there's there's still this core belief there that shows they had the true gospel at one point. Why was shipbuilding and travel important? Every culture uh, seems like they, it, you know, why do you climb Mount Everest or whatever? Because it's there. And every culture seems to want to go further. What's out there? And um, we read in the Book of Mormon that uh, just before the time of Christ, that Haggoth built ships, and he said it was near the West Sea by the narrow neck of the land, and sent explorers northward. And it's the only passage where we read about um, exploring with shipbuilding. And, and, and what's interesting is that on the West Coast, the Pacific side of the Isthmus of uh, Tehuantepec, which most Latter-day Saints believe that would have been the general area where the narrow neck of the land was, um, there's these large lagoons, and Mesoamerican scholars agree that there were uh, was shipbuilding going on, and that the seagoing rafts would have probably traveled both north and south to explore. So again, Joseph Smith didn't know any about this kind of stuff. And in fact, uh, in his day, most Latter-day Saints believed that the narrow neck of the land was what we currently refer to as Panama. And here we're finding in what LDS scholars are now saying is the most likely location for Book of Mormon studies, the right place, the right time, there was shipbuilding going on for exploration. Now, this uh, tells us a couple of things. If people had traveled, Haggoth and maybe others would have traveled north or south, um, that they would have shared their ideas with the communities that they would have come in contact with, assuming they would have survived. You know, you know how that goes. You go to somewhere else, they could have been killed. But assuming they survived, they would have shared their information. That's exactly what we find in Mesoamerican studies, is that Mesoamerica seems to have influenced the Native Americans much farther north. We, we find a lot of things uh, in, in uh, you know, the western United States that was influenced by Mesoamerica. That could only have come from some sort of travel. Well, the quickest and easiest way uh, would have been by following the shoreline with these boats. Um, and there was probably land travel as well, but much slower. 
But again, what the Book of Mormon spells out, leaving from this Western Sea, is exactly what we find, and we find this influence uh, spreading from the Central America region. Thank you, Michael Ash. Thank you, Julianne. Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne Delin Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith. Michael Arash is the author of the book, Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.